0: Who do you see when you look at Jesus? Is he just somebody that you read about? Is he just somebody that you hear about when you come to church? Who is Jesus to you? Is he just a man? Just a person from history? Or is there more to him than that? You now, we've been looking at these different encounters with Christ during this Behold series, and what we've been trying to show you is that at some point you have to make a decision about who Jesus is to you? I mean, either he's a liar, a lunatic, or he's our Lord. Which one is he to you? Is he just a man or is he a king? Is he a liar or is he the Son of God? What are you doing with your encounter with Christ? Because I fully believe that when you come face to face With Jesus, one of two things will happen in your life. Either your life will be forever changed because you recognize your sinful condition and His ability to save you, or you'll misunderstand who Jesus is and miss out on the powerful transformation that only He can make in your life. Today is Palm Sunday. And on Palm Sunday over 2,000 years ago, the nation of Israel had an opportunity to come face to face with their Messiah, to have their encounter with Christ. Here's what happened on that day. It's in John 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it. As it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt." At first his disciples didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called, called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. And so the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. This warm welcome is a dark contrast to the video that we just watched. I'm always amazed at how the Jews could so happily welcome the Messiah, their Messiah on Sunday, only to cry out for his crucifixion by Thursday. What happened? How could they change so quickly? Well, the answer lies in the fact that they weren't getting the Messiah that they thought they were getting. They had misunderstood who Jesus was and what he was there for. In verse 12, it says a great crowd was in town to celebrate the Feast of Passover. It was their 4th of July celebration. It was their Independence Day that they were celebrating. They were celebrating their freedom from bondage in Egypt. While they were in Egypt... God sent Moses to free his people. And after nine plagues and the Pharaoh changing his mind time and time again, God finally said, I'm sending the angel of the Lord to kill all the firstborn in the house of Egypt. And since the Israelites lived in Egypt, God told them to kill the lamb and take its blood and put it over the door. So when the angel of the Lord saw the blood of the lamb on the door, it would pass over that house, sparing the firstborn. So by the blood of the Passover lamb, the people of God were saved. But those that didn't have the blood on their house, their firstborn died. And when Pharaoh's son was among the dead, he finally agreed to let God's people go. And ever since that time, the Jews who are able would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover feast. Now at this time, the normal population of Jerusalem was about 50,000 people. But during the week of Passover, it would grow to about 120,000. Not to mention all the Roman troops that were there to keep order. So the streets are full of people with their animal sacrifices. And this is the scene as Jesus approaches the city. Hoping that Jesus was their long-awaited Messiah. And having heard so much about him, when they heard that he was coming, they went out to greet him. And they waved palm branches and shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And they were excited. They were excited about it. But they were excited for all the wrong reasons. How do we know this? Well, one is the palm branches. See, palm branches became a general symbol of victory and celebration. When the Jews, led by Simon the Maccabee, recaptured Jerusalem from the Syrians, they entered Jerusalem with praise and palm branches. And palm branches were used as a symbol of ruling power and Jewish nationalism. Waving these around would be like us waving our flag after 9-11. They were waving them, hoping that Jesus would restore their political dominance and rescue them from their Roman oppressors. They were hoping that he would be a warrior king. They were also shouting Hosanna, which translated means, Please save us now. See, it was a triumphal entry for Jesus, but not the kind of triumph they were wanting or expecting. They wanted a military conqueror. They were hailing him as king, hoping that the Messiah would be that for them. See, in the past, Jesus had refused to be hailed as king. In John 6, after feeding the 5,000, they tried to make him king then. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we've been searching for. And when Jesus saw they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Again, they misunderstood who he was. Jesus had just healed their sick, and their stomachs were filled now, and their response revealed the type of Messiah they were looking for. They wanted an earthly deliverer, one who could meet all of their physical needs. With, them, with him as their provider, they would never want for food, and they would have the potential to be healed from all illness. But Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. Don't be so concerned about perishable perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Jesus was trying to explain to them that he wasn't here for their physical needs. He was the bread of life. But they were only looking for physical bread, not the spiritual bread that Jesus was offering. And even though Jesus goes into great detail and explains to them who he is and why he's there, they couldn't look past their physical needs to see him for who he was. And so they desert him. And verse 66, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are you going to leave also? And Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. See, Peter understood, but most of them misunderstood who Jesus was. And now, as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, he's being held as king again with palm branches waving, and they still didn't understand And it grieved his heart because he knew those that were hailing him as Messiah that day would cry for his death the following Friday. In verse 41, as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people, Jerusalem, would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. How about you? Do you recognize Jesus Is he the Messiah that you want, or is he the Messiah that you need? See, misunderstanding Jesus and what type of Messiah he is is still a big problem for us today. People approach Jesus for all kinds of reasons. I think a lot of time we we treat Jesus like the 911 Jesus, meaning that we live our lives with Jesus on standby, And as long as things are good, Jesus stays behind the breaking case of an emergency glass. Rarely noticed or acknowledged. But the moment we get sick or a loved one gets sick, the moment we lose our jobs, the moment a relationship is on the verge of dissolving, the moment somebody wounds us deeply, then it's 911, break the glass. Hey, Jesus, where are you? I know we haven't talked in a long time, but man, I really need you to show up and rescue me. For some of us, the opposite's true. We don't turn to Jesus in our time of need. We either look to somebody else or something else, or we just hunger down and push through. Why don't we call on the name of Jesus? I think it's because we don't believe that Jesus will do powerful things for us. So we just don't ask. We doubt the amazing power of our Lord. But the truth is, is we are sons and daughters of the king. And we're told to boldly approach the throne and petition our Lord. And we need to ask. We need to ask for miraculous healing. We need to ask for provision. We need to ask him to intervene on our behalf when we're in possible situations. I mean, if you're sick, you need to bring it to Jesus first. You need to have your brothers and sisters and Christ anoint you and pray over you. If your marriage is falling apart and it looks hopeless, you need to bring that to Jesus instead of trying to fix it on your own. If you're burdened financially, bring it to Jesus. Whatever burden you have, whatever problem you're facing, we have to bring that to Jesus because we serve a powerful Lord. He's healer. He's a miracle worker. He is our provider, and he can do the impossible. But we're afraid. We're afraid to ask him. And we're afraid to ask him because we're afraid to trust him with the outcome. See, we want Jesus on our terms. So we don't ask because what happens if he doesn't heal? What if I don't get that job? What if that relationship doesn't find reconciliation? Again, I'm going to ask you, is he the Jesus you want or is he the Jesus you need? Because ultimately that's the problem with both both perspectives. We're looking for a Messiah on our own terms just like the Israelites were. We want a Jesus that does what we want when we want it instead of trusting in his will for our lives. We want to tell Jesus what we want and need instead of trusting in what he provides. See, we want Jesus to follow us instead of us following him. See, the right perspective is knowing that you can boldly ask for him to show up in powerful ways and expect him to do so, but also trusting in the outcome because it's his will that needs to be done, not ours. Again, do you have the Jesus you want? Or the Jesus you need. Because sometimes His will doesn't look the way we want it to. Sometimes His will, from our perspective, isn't the easy path, it isn't the pain free way. But I can guarantee you this it's the right way, it's the right way, and it's just what you need. Because Jesus is the answer in every situation. Whatever problem you're facing, Jesus is solution, the solution. He is exactly what we need. Because he can do all of those things. He can heal. He can provide. He can restore the broken. He can do all of that and more. But this is not why he came. It isn't why he came to this earth. Way before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah revealed the purpose of the coming Messiah. And it's in Isaiah 53. And it says this. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his parents, nothing to attract us to him. And he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, Acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could could be healed all of us like sheep have gone astray we've left God's path to follow our own yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all and he was oppressed and treated harshly yet he never said a word he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep is silent before the shearers he didn't open his mouth Unjustly condemned, he was led away. Nobody cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and deceived no one. He was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made as an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished, by his anguish he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier, because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among rebels. And he bore the sin of many and interceded for rebels. At the beginning of John the Baptist, I mean at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist sums up this whole chapter of Isaiah in one statement. He says, "Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God." who takes away the sin of the world. Remember, Jesus is entering Jerusalem during Passover, which is the celebration of God's salvation of his people from death. Without a lamb, without the sacrifice, nobody would have been saved. Only the sacrifice of a lamb, a substitution, if you will, would allow death to pass over. Did you know that Palm Sunday is actually Lamb Selection Day? It's the day the Israelites selected the lambs that they would sacrifice Thursday night for the Passover seder. It was almost as if God was saying to the world, here is my lamb, will you choose him? Behold the Lamb of God. With this brief statement, John makes it clear that the Messiah had come to this earth to deal with sin. The Bible Is filled with the reality that the problem that we have is sin. It's at the heart of every one of us. And we know it. We know that to be true if we take the time to look at it. These strongholds that are in our lives, these burdens that we carry, the shame, the guilt, the darkness that is the result of sin in our lives. I mean, just look at the world around us. There's so much suffering. And such hopelessness. And the truth of it is, is that most people don't even recognize the darkness that they live in. But John saw it. John saw it in the revelation that God gave him in Re- Revelation 5. It says, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who? Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. The scroll that John sees in God's hands is the title deed to the earth, which God will give to Christ. But remember, in our point in history, Satan has dominion over this earth. But all that's going to change when Jesus returns. Upon his return, he will regain his rightful inheritance. And he will do so by means of a divine judgment. And while the scroll is a scroll of judgment, it's also a scroll of redemption because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. And John is viewing this scene and he weeps bitterly because there's nobody qualified to open the scroll. He's literally on the verge of despair because he understands the depravity that is our world. He understands the injustice and darkness that we live in. And he knows that without a redeemer, this earth and the curse that we have, we will be forever confined to a death sentence. But there's hope. One of the 24 elders said to him, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, he has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And John looks upon him and he sees a lamb as if it had been slaughtered. See, Jesus came to die. He came to this earth to die for you and for me. He came to this world to take our place so that death would pass over us. The wrath of God was poured out on him instead of you and me. Have you ever really stopped to think about that? Think about what Jesus did. I mean, think about it. Jesus was God, the creator of this universe. And he came to earth to become like one of us. And in doing so, he gives up his rights as God, and he's forever changed to be like one of us. And he did that so he could die at the hands of his own creation. For what purpose? To free you and me from sin. To pay our debt. To restore the broken relationship we we have with God. So we can now be called friends of God to give us eternal life. Jesus is the Lamb of God and He came to take our suffering so that we wouldn't have to suffer. Do you understand the depth of God's love for you? Do you truly understand the depth of His love? See, I think Jesus is so misunderstood because we don't understand the amazing love and grace that is the Lamb of God. If we understood the depth of his love for us, we would live differently. And I don't mean just a little different. I mean radically different. We would love and serve and give and forgive easily because of how much we've been loved and how much we've been forgiven of. We would stand out from the world. We would be a beacon of tremendous light in the darkness that is this world. If we understood the depth of his love, we would trust him more. What else does he need to prove to us? He's proven his trustworthiness. Why do we doubt his love now? He rose from the dead. Why do we doubt his power to do amazing things? He has provided for us and continues to provide for us. Why do we doubt his provision for tomorrow? See, if we understood the depth of his love, we would have a clearer perspective about this life. We get so caught up with this world, so concerned with things that in lieu of eternity really don't matter. But understanding the depth of his love puts eternity in focus for us. It helps us to see that this isn't our home This isn't the life that we were meant to live. Jesus had to become the Lamb of God in order for us to have the life that God wants for us to have. So as the band comes up, I want to ask you this. What are you doing with your encounter with Christ? Because I believe he's inviting you into a deeper understanding of who he really is, into a deeper relationship with him. What Jesus do you have Is he the one you want or is he the one you need? Is he the real Jesus or is he the one that we've made according to our image and our desires and our hopes? Do you need to call on the name of Jesus today? Maybe you've never accepted the real Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe like the Israelites, you're looking to him for all the wrong reasons Maybe you've never considered the fact that you need the Lamb of God to take away your sin. If that's where you're at today, man, I want to introduce you to the real Jesus. I want you to know more about who He is. And I want you to know what it looks like to accept Him as Lord in your life. So if that's where you're at today, go to the Next Steps area. We've got great people that have resources to help you on your journey and talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Christ. For some of you, you know him as Savior, but for whatever reason, you haven't been following him as Lord. And if you, you've allowed the sin that he's died for to take power over you again. And you need to let him know you need to let him know about it. You need to confess it to him. You don't have to carry that sin and shame anymore. You can give it to him today. And so maybe you need to come to this stage and have a conversation with him about it. For some of you, you're dealing with illness that, and things don't look good in your life right now. Other, others of you, maybe you're in a really desperate place right now and you need immediate rescue. Listen, I, I can't tell you what the future is gonna be, but I know we serve a mighty and powerful God And he tells us to call on his name. So maybe you need to step out of whatever holds you aback and approach the throne of God and boldly ask your Abba Father, your Daddy, for help. If that's where you're at, again, go to next steps. We can anoint you. We can pray for you. Whatever you need, whatever problem you're facing, whatever burden you are carrying today, Jesus is the answer. Respond to him as you're led. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the amazing love and sacrifice that you have given us. And God, you poured your wrath out on your very own son because you loved us. And that, that's just, Lord, it just blows me away to even think about how deep and how, how wide your love is for us, Father. Help us to never take that for granted to never take your love for granted, to live our lives in honor of the sacrifice that you made for us. God, help us not to be afraid to trust you, to call on you, to know that you will be there for our every need. Help us to live every day with eternity in view. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.